You are listening to the Dr. Michelle Corral Show. It is our prayer that as you listen to these podcasts, that you will receive your deliverance, breakthrough, anointing, and highest destiny. Our prayer is that your love for Jesus Christ be first in your life above all things. Now, here's Dr. Corral. I want you to see how the early church was a praying church. Touch your neighbor and say the miraculous mantle of signs and wonders comes through a praying church. Verse 31, look at the word. The Bible says, read it with me. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. How many of you want to shake heaven and earth? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Continue on. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 6, verse 4. The criteria of the call of the apostles was prayer. Watch this. Acts 6, 4. Read it with me. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Put your hands up and say, Father God, I'm ready to move in an apostolic anointing of end times with a mantle that is miraculous for healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel all over the world. I know you have called me in an end time ministry and in the name of Jesus, I receive the anointing of the early church. They continued in prayers and supplications. And when they prayed, and as they prayed, the place was shaken. I declare in the name of Jesus that I will be recorded like Peter and John in his temple at the hour of prayer. I give you praise right now that the criteria of the call is to give myself continually to the ministry of the word and to prayer. That is my first calling, to pray, to seek Jesus, to love Jesus more than my ministry, more than anything, to love him more than work, more than the work, more than even souls. I love Jesus first above all things. I love him above my family. I love him above my possessions. I love him above my strength. I love him above anything I possess and the way that I show him I love him is by spending time with him in prayer somebody needs to give him praise come on somebody we're not done we're not done early church touch your neighbor and say we're going back to the early church continue on in Acts I want you to go to Acts 9 Acts chapter 9. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 9, and we see, for the Bible says he's calling Ananias. Something happened to Paul. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, verse 11, for you seek one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Turn with me to Acts 10. Acts 10. Here's Peter. Acts 10, verses 9 and 10. And on the morrow, read it with me. And on the morrow, they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city. And Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Turn with me to Acts 12. I want you to see it. Verse 4, but the key is going to be verse 5. Touch your neighbor and say the early church was a praying church. Say this with me, little, little prayer, little miracles. Big prayer, big miracles. Come on, give God the praise. This is simple as that. Watch this. Acts 12, verse 4. And when they, read it with me, and when they had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four quartarium, soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter, to bring him forth to the people. Verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in the prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. Say this with me. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. Do you know what, what it takes to launch an apostle? Uh, let me just tell you something. Do you know what kind of prayer it takes for an apostolic ministry? 
You know, do you know what kind of prayer it takes to do works that are going to shake nations? Do you know the kind of work, a prayer that it takes for an apostolic mantle in the house? It's not just little prayers. Bible says right here, Peter was kept in the prison because the devil desires those in the fivefold ministry to lock their word up. But the Bible says prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. Come on. Come on, somebody. You've got to give God the praise for prayer. Some of you are saying, why are we being so stretched? It's not like last year. No, it's not because the calls increased. It's not like it was two years ago because the calls increased. God has added nations to our bosom. And if we are not willing to receive the mantle, it, it, you see, it, it costs us everything we've got in prayer. Prayer is where we need to learn how to live, people of God. Prayer is the place of God's presence. And if we have prayer, we have everything. Somebody needs to praise him today. Hallelujah. Continue on, Acts 12. I want you to see this. Say this with me. The early church was a praying church. Watch this now, saints. Verse 12. Read it with me. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Nonstop prayer. Watch this. Acts 13. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 3. And when, read it together, and when they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Beloved people of God, I preface today's message with the teaching on how we possess the presence of God through prayer and how prayer must become a priority in our life. First of all, prayer is a collective call. Say this with me. Prayer is a collective call. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 says, these all continued in prayer and supplication. Number two, prayer, dear people of God, solved and re resolved every issue. The Bible says, as they prayed. So it solved and resolved every issue. Acts chapter 6 verse 4 says, but we will continually give ourselves to prayer. In other words, prayer was the criteria of apostolic separation and apostolic consecration to God. Somebody says, you know, this is where I'm so glad the man of God, Rich Wilkerson, some of you might have seen him on TBN a few months ago. I just happened to turn it on. It was God. He was giving the most dynamic teaching. I, I'm, I'm asking one of my assistants to send in for it because it was the most dynamic teaching I've ever heard on the apostolic calling. And he comes, if you know the Rich Wilkerson and his wife, you know that they come from a line of pioneer missionaries. As, as a matter of fact, related to the Wilkersons, to, to Rich Wilkerson, his wife is related to the Buntains. The Buntains, who were the great missionaries, the great missionary statesmen uh, in Calcutta, India, who worked so close with Mother Teresa, the Assemblies of God missionary, Mark Buntain. Some of you may not know him. You may have come to Christ after the legacy of Mark Buntain. We had the honor of being in India with Mother Teresa and working with Mark Buntain before he passed and went to heaven, this, there's a lot of DNA in this ministry. And we've had, we've had the privilege of, of being with Pastor Mark Buntain, one of the greatest missionaries, founded mission stations all over India, used to drive his bus through Calcutta during the bubonic plague when rats were everywhere. And he would drive that bus through the water, and water would go up to the buses to, literally to, to almost, almost drown the bus. And he would 
literally go and feed the people. He was a man of God, such as there's never been before in, in the land in Calcutta, one of the great missionary statesmen, Mark Bunteen. And, of course, the Wilkerson's, they are related to the Bunteen's, and then Rich Wilkerson has on his side a long line of Assemblies of God pioneers and statesmen, and then his wife also has a long line, because she's a Bunteen, all of the missionaries, Fulton Bunteen, Mark Bunteen, they're just, they're just a long line of Assemblies of God pioneer apostolic, and he was teaching on the apostolic mantle. And he was teaching that the criteria, so many people today call themselves apostle. This is the new thing. Everybody's apostle. Everybody's prophet and everybody's apostle, and they get mad if you don't call them apostle. They get very furious. My name is apostle. Okay, you know, my, my husband once made a joke. Can I tell you? M Mandel Corral is so funny. You don't know the man of God that I live with. His sense of humor is so dry. He keeps me in stitches 24-7 with a straight face. i never known anybody to crack a joke with a straight face, Brother Danny, but Brother Manuel, my husband, Pastor Manuel, he'll just look at you straight in the face, and he will just, he will say something that is so funny because it's so true. He has the funniest sense of humor. But there was a couple once that called themselves apostle and prophet, and we weren't making fun of it, but he said, what do they do? They got very serious about you calling them apostle and calling them prophet. And he said, but what do they do when they wake up in the morning? Do they say, good morning, apostle? <laughs> he said, do they say, good morning, prophet? And, you know, I'm not making fun of that, but I'm, I'm using it as an example because in this day and age, we have used that word so frivolously, and we have taken it to a place where the folk who are using it, God bless them, but do they realize what the call is? The criteria for the call of apostle is prayer. That's how you know if you have an apostle in your midst. The call to prayer is the apostolic call. He, they said in Acts 6, verse 4, we will continually give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Hello, somebody. And this is what Mark Bunteen was speaking about, or Mark Bunteen's uh, nephew-in-law, what Rich Wilkerson was speaking about. And Rich Wilkerson was telling us the story, this powerful story of his auntie, his auntie who was a missionary in Africa. She never got married. She was quite elderly. She spent about 60 years in Africa. Can you imagine Sister Brenda spending 60 years in Africa and just being, I, you know, those, one thing is the Assemblies of God were famous, and, and I appreciate this, but they were famous for sending single women to the places no men would go. And I'm telling you, we used to have a lady, you know, because you're a PK, Assemblies of God. I know when I was young, we, we used to go into the church and see the faces of the missionaries. And the ones who went to the remote places were these little grandmas with gray hair. And they were so skinny, they probably didn't even weigh 100 pounds. And you just wonder, how in the world? This one precious one, her name was Florence. I don't know if you remember her last name. She was from Bethlehem, very famous woman, very famous Assemblies of God missionary in Bethlehem. And, and so throughout the ages, it's always known that the little grandmas would get sent because nobody else would want to go to Africa. Nobody else would want to go there. So, Mark, so, so Rich Wilkerson's auntie went to Africa, and she stayed there for about 60 years. She taught the children. She translated the Bible in the local language of the people. She never realized, you know, she didn't have a whole lot of people there. And when she came home after her retirement, after 60 years, there was nobody to meet her at the airport. She came home all alone. And, and you know, she was so lonely. She had nobody to meet her at the airport. No flags, no welcome home, no nothing. After 60 years of giving your life, on the mission field in Africa. But a few months later, the people of the country in Africa where she served said, we just want to say goodbye to you. So can you please come back? We're sending you your ticket. We just want to say thank you. She pulled up to the airport, and they said, we have to stop by this place before we take you to the hotel. And she was not expecting, she said, what are we stopping here for? It was a football stadium. 
she just thought, oh, oh, you know, what are we going to a, to a football thing for? What are we going to a sports event for? And, they, and he, they said, Auntie, these are the people who are waiting for you to say thank you for everything that you have done. Come on, people. Come on, people. Come on, people. You got to give God the praise. You got to give God the glory. Hallelujah. These are the people that you served all these years, and they just want to say thank you. She was just so, you know, overwhelmed. I don't even think she weighed 100 pounds either. Just a little grandma with gray hair that the whole nation coordinated the event to say thank you. Why? Because a true apostle, apostle that gave her life, wasn't flashing in lights, apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so. Uh, come on, people. I got to get some help here. There's nothing wrong with that, and I have no problem with that. And I want to respect people who have the faith to believe they will someday step into apostolic shoes. But I'm going to tell you what the criteria for apostle is. It's right there in the word, giving oneself continually, constantly, as a top priority to prayer. And that is what Jesus commissioned the 12 for. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, that he ordained 12 that they should be with him. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. But the first thing before he gave them power over unclean spirits is that they were ordained, ordained to be with him, to spend time with him, to be with him, to enjoy his presence and to possess his presence. Can I get a witness somewhere? Hallelujah. So we see in the book of Acts, dear saints, the collective call to prayer. They all continued in prayer and supplication. And we see in Acts that prayer literally solved and resolved every issue. And the Bible says when they prayed, the place was shaken. And we know that the scripture tells us that the criteria of the call on an apostle, as Acts 6-4 says, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. And the Bible tells us that the corporate connection, the unity, the power, was in prayer. They all continued steadfastly. That means without wavering in the apostles' doctrine, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. The Bible tells us that prayer produced greater provision of the vision. When Peter went up on the, on the housetop, he had a vision, and it extended him to the Gentiles. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 9, verse 4, to Cornelius, the angel said, Thine alms and thy prayers are gone up as a continual memorial before God. So a life that is dedicated and consecrated to God is a life that is like a miraculous memorial continually burning before the throne of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be a memorial before God's throne. How many of you want your prayer to be as a memorial before the throne of God? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, dear people of God, prayer Prayer is that thing. It restrained and it refrained the assignment of the devil. The Bible says prayer was made continually by the church of God for him on his behalf. Jesus, as you know, was a man of prayer. He was a man who separated himself into the solitude. And today I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to Daniel, the sixth chapter. Let's go very quickly to Daniel chapter 6. Because Daniel is probably more than anyone else in the word of God besides Jesus, of course. Jesus, who sets us the example of prayer. The one who shows us more than any other person about prayer is Daniel. And today in Daniel chapter 6, I want you to see in Daniel chapter 6, because as we read Daniel chapter 6, now I want you to understand something about Daniel 6. Y'all know that Daniel 6 is about Daniel in the lion's den. 
Some of you say, well, I learned that in Sunday school when I was young. I learned about Daniel in the lion's den and how the Lord shut the mouth of the lion for Daniel. But what we fail to recognize is the reason why Daniel went to the lion's den. And what we fail to recognize is what happened to Daniel after the lion's den. How the lion's den experience was a pivotal point in the life of Daniel. Say this with me, a pivotal point. It was a pivotal point that supernaturally stretched him into an extension and another dimension of supernatural, of the supernatural anointing of God in prayer. Daniel 6 is the pivotal point that brings this man of God into an extension, into another dimension of prayer and power in his life and in his career. In a contextual sense of scripture, the sixth chapter is a supernatural stepping stone that lifts the level of Daniel's prayer to a pinnacle point of power. Because you're going to see that after Daniel suffers for praying, he doesn't really suffer, though. He just goes through a test. He doesn't, nothing hurts him. After he goes through the test, because he's a man of prayer, his entire prayer life, because he was willing to lay his life down unto death for prayer. For prayer. Touch your neighbor and say, how far of a price are you willing to pay to be with Jesus? He was willing to pay the ultimate price, Sister Cheryl, to be alone with God in prayer. He didn't care. And after he went through the test of being placed in the den of lions, you will see the book of Daniel starting in the 7th chapter, 8th chapter, 9th chapter, 10th chapter, takes a whole complete different extension into another dimension. It's a supernatural stepping stone in his career. It lifts the level of Daniel's prayer to a pinnacle place of power. How many of you want to come to that pinnacle of power in your prayer life? After the pinnacle point of Daniel 6, Daniel becomes possessed by the presence of God in prayer. The events of, De of the sixth chapter of Daniel, of being placed in the lion's den for prayer, lift him to the level of predestined purpose as intercessor. Now watch this. To this point, he's not intercessor for Israel. After the lion's den, after he prays, pays the willing to pay the ultimate price to pray. If any man is seen within 30 days praying to his God or to anything other than you, O king, because in those days and even in the days of Roman, Roman Empire, the, the kings were deities to the people. They were considered divine. They, could, they deified themselves. So the order was made in Daniel's chapter 6 that if any man prays to any other god other than the king, he will be lowered into the den of lions for praying to his god. And the Bible tells us when Daniel saw that the decree was signed, he opened his window. He knelt down and he prayed three times a day. Somebody's got to give God the praise. Touch your neighbor and say, dare to be a Daniel. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us the events in this sixth chapter where he was lowered into the lion's den lifted him to a level of predestined purposes, intercessor of exile. And so was he elevated that the effects of his prayer, that now he is the intercessor that affects and directs the nation's destiny. He goes into the, to the prayer, into the den of lions, as Daniel, Belshazzar, his name, Belshazzar. One of the gods of the Chaldeans. They gave him a name. 
They gave Shadrach a name. His name before, their names before were Mishael, Hananiah. And, and the, the, the names, Mishael, Hananiah, they were changed to Shadrach and Azariah, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those names were changed to the names of the Chaldean gods. So they had to bear the names of Chaldean idols while they lived there. Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, he was one of the, the Chaldeans named him the name of a, an idol. And the scripture tells us that after he was lowered into the den of lions, he went in as Daniel, but he came out as intercessor. That would now be such a powerful intercessor that his prayer would affect and direct the nation of Israel to come out of exile. Somebody needs to praise God. Touch your neighbor and say predestined purpose. When I'm willing to pay the price for prayer, say it again, predestined purpose. Predestined purpose. Say it again, predestined purpose. Somebody's got to praise God. Come on, saints. If you look at the chronology, even though Daniel 7, Daniel 7 says, Daniel, who is called Belshazzar, that dream actually took place under the reign of the Chaldean kings because he lived under several kings. Chaldean kings were first, then the kings of the Medes and the Persians were second. So he went through all these, the Babylonian kings, he went through the Medes and the Persians, but after the lion's den, He's not referred to in that name anymore. Even though Daniel 7 says that name, it was prior. It's not in chronological order. His destiny name. God is my judge. Daniel. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. Somebody's got to give God the praise. Predestined purpose. Touch your neighbor and say, when you pay the price, for prayer, your predestined purpose, and any name the devil wants to put on you. Come on now. Any name the devil wants to put on your destiny. Any name. Oh, I don't know if you know. See, they gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego those names, those idolatrous names, but their names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. But you've got to know after Daniel came out of the lion's den, they couldn't use that name anymore. Touch your neighbor and say when you're willing to pay the price in prayer, your predestined purpose and no name that the devil wants to put on your destiny can rule over your destiny. That means forsaken cannot be your name anymore. That means rejected cannot be your name anymore. That means isolated cannot be your name anymore. That means poverty cannot be your name anymore. That means brokenhearted cannot be your name anymore. That means alone cannot be your name anymore. Somebody's got to praise him. Now, the events of Daniel 6, when he was lowered into the lion's den, lifted him to such a level of predestined purpose when he came out that he now becomes intercessor of exile, who affects and directs all of the nation's destiny. And because of the experience of Daniel 6, his life becomes completely submerged in the supernatural. Daniel's prayer life changes. Child, I don't know about you, but I want to have some of that experience. I would just love it. Sister Brenda, I would love it if I was praying and all of a sudden God sent an angel to fly by me swiftly at the time of the oblation of the evening sacrifice. I would just love it if all of a sudden, because I was willing to go into the den of lions for prayer, no other reason, but because I defied the devil, said, you can't pray. Any man 
praying to his God for 30 days. Or to anybody else other than the O king. We'll be lowered into the den of lions. Not one lion, lions, plural. So Daniel opened his window. Daniel knelt down in front of everybody. He, watch me pray, devil. Can't touch this. Touch your neighbor and say, can't touch this. See, what the devil wants to do is he wants to say, why don't you take a 30-day break? Your car's not working. Take a 30-day break. Your mind's not working. Take a 30-day break. Your health isn't working. Take a 30-day break. Your finances aren't working. Take a 30-day break. You, you know, the kids are going wild. Everything's going haywire. You can just take this time off from prayer. Just take a little bit of time for yourself and forget prayer. Just to shut the door. It's all right. Just fall into depression and cry yourself to sleep. You don't need to pray. But if you dare to be a Daniel and say, devil, I don't care if you attack my finances, if you attack my health, if you attack my children, See, Daniel 9, the text teaches that his perseverance in prayer breaks the bondage and ends the exile by moving the mountain through shifting the seasons into predestined destiny. He, he comes out of the lion's den. Now he has power to move a mountain. He has power to shift the season. Touch your neighbor and say, these hands are getting anointed to start shifting seasons. Come on. Come on, come on. You know, some of us, here, 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 Some of you are saying, oh, I'm just waiting on God. Just waiting on God to just move on my behalf. Just waiting on God. Someday, God, someday, you go through the lion's den, and they tell you, you know what, you're going to have a heart attack. Just keep this thing up. They, you can't go this much in prayer. They're going to think you're crazy. Man, what's something wrong with your mind? You're crazy. You, you spend all this time in prayer. The threats, you, you, it's dangerous. It's tiring. It's wearing you out. It's whatever the case may be. I do not know what the devil tries to tell you with the threats, what your lion's den is. Touch your neighbor and say, I don't know what your lion's den is. But I know what mine is, child. Touch your neighbor and say, I know what my lines down it then is. So when you get lowered down in there, and notice the devil is a liar. Touch your neighbor and say, the devil is a liar. Because the moment you undergo a test for prayer, God is going to perform his word because he's watching over it. <laughs> Are those hungry lions? Now, you know, in biblical antiquity, when they would put Christians to the lions or they would put anybody to the lions, those lions hadn't eaten for days. They were hungry. So they're lowering you down, Daniel, into that lion's den. They're carnivorous beasts. You should have been devoured in about 30 seconds. The lunging of the claws of the lions upon your flesh. Daniel went down there and the lions couldn't move. For 24 hours, they were held at bay. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm about ready to freeze some principalities and powers, some lions that have been after my stuff. I'm about to paralyze the Got those lions down there waiting to devour your destiny. 
The devil is a liar saying, ooh, don't you go down there and you're just, you're getting lowered and lowered and lowered and you can see those little things, their little mouths are just jumping up out of the pit. Can't wait to just take a big chunk out of your flesh. But when you get down there in the dungeon with the lions, all of a sudden, the power of God from the power of your prayer begins to paralyze the principalities and powers that wanted to take you out. And so therefore, you've got to say, the devil is a liar. Touch your neighbor and say, shift the seasons. Daniel 9.1, turn to it with me. This is after Daniel 6, after he's been in the lion's den. I want you to see Daniel 9.1. We'll look at Daniel 6 just for a moment. Before you look at Daniel 9.1 and Daniel 9.2, I want you to see Daniel 6.10. I want you to look at it. Real good. I want you to underline it. Let's read it in concert. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he waited for that little goodie to be signed. Read it together. Now, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went to his house, his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. And he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And when these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication to their God, you know what happened from there. They arrested him. Said, you got to come with us. Bring you before the king. The king worked all day to try to release Daniel. But once something is written, the laws of the Medes and the Persians, it can't be reversed. So we got to put you in this lion's den. This is a result of praying. Some of you think, well, I started to pray, and then the devil started attacking. Well, you're shaking something up. Hello, somebody. Well, I started to pray, and I can't understand why I started to pray, and then all of a sudden, uh, something went wrong with my car, so I don't think I'll pray anymore because God just doesn't hear me. What kind of a fool are you? God's going to take care of your car. And the reason your car wouldn't work is because he's going to give you a better car. Come on. You cannot outgive God in prayer. So after Daniel's experience of being lowered into the den of lions, and then, then the king in the morning got up and said, Oh, my God, i got to hurry down there to the lion's den and see. lion's den then the king humbled himself and said now I'm making a decree that all people everywhere in my realm touch your neighbor and say spiritual realm all kings in my realm touch your neighbor and say presidents and princes in my realm they're gonna have to humble themselves Say this with me. The kings of this earth took counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, come, let us break their bands in sunder. But you've got to understand something. This is not about earthly princes. This is not about earthly kings. This is about principalities and powers that are going to be so 
that all kings and all princes and all my subjects everywhere in my realm must obey, worship, and serve the God of Daniel. Somebody needs to give God the praise. That means in your realm, touch your neighbor and say in my realm that I've been called to rule over. It's not a realm you can see with your eyes. It's a realm in the spirit. It's a certain place of dominion that your ministry, whoever you are, wherever you are, you have been given a place to, with heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have been given a realm. And it doesn't just happen at the millennium, child. It happens now. You've been given a realm. And you need to learn how to place principalities and powers under your feet. Watch this thing. Now, Daniel, you come up to another level. You're moving mountains and shifting seasons. Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the seeds of the, of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, not Belshazzar, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years of desolations in Jerusalem. Verse 3, the key, and I set my face to the Lord to seek by prayer, supplications, and fasting with sackcloth and ashes, and I prayed unto the Lord my God. So you got to see something. Jeremiah spoke it. But God needed an intercessor to put it into motion. Uh, let me say this again. There are promises that God is waiting to activate through the intercessor. Now, let me tell you something. There are four things that God seeks. Number one, John 4.24 says that God seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. He's already found worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. What's the second thing God seeks? The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 that God seeks, his eyes go to and fro throughout the earth, seeking someone whose heart is pure before him. So he has found those who are pure in heart. He's seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth, and he's found them. And he's seeking those whose hearts are pure, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, whose hearts are pure. And the scripture tells us that he's also seeking the lost. The son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And he's found the lost. But there's one thing he's seeking that he hasn't found. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 20. The Bible says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap, to make up the hedge in the day of battle. For Israel to stand. But I found none. Somebody's got to give him praise and say, I'll be that intercessor, God. I'll be that intercessor. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 59, verse 16. The Bible says that the Lord looked and he wondered. And saw that there was no intercessor. It amazes heaven. That he sought for a man and he found none. It amazes heaven that there was no intercessor. Now there's prayer warriors, but there's to be an intercessor, to be somebody who's willing to pay such a price in order to and dedicate their entire destiny to praying. And, and now we find out that the Daniel came out of the lion's den and he found out by the number of years that the word has already been accomplished. Now he has to move it into motion through his prayer. So he turns his face toward God with prayer, supplication, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And because he begins to start praying and fasting, God begins to move into motion the words of the prophet Jeremiah. And the children of Israel are about ready to get free. Touch your neighbor and say, shift the seasons. Watch how he grows. Look at verse 20. 
first part of the verse. He says, while I was speaking and praying. Verse 21, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly by swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Now, we need to see this thing because something's going on here. Daniel, you're really coming into a, a, a fantastic prayer anointing. Something's happening to you. You're, you're changing. You're not the same Belshazzar. You came out with this powerful destiny. You are the intercessor of the exiles. You are the one who's going to release the prayer in the heavens because your prayer is so powerful that the prince of Persia is going to come and fight. Michael the archangel is the prince over Israel. And so the angel that was praying that was dispatched when you were praying wasn't strong enough to fight with the prince of Persia. So Michael the archangel in Daniel 10 verse 13 was dispatched because of your prayer. And so when that battle took place, that Michael the archangel in the second heaven fought with the prince of Persia, that is when the children of Israel, the thing broke in the spirit realm. The whole thing broke. It was after that that the edict came, that Cyrus gave his edict, that the children of Israel now can be released out of battle to go back to their land. Hallelujah. Stuff's going on in the heavens. There's all kinds of activity because you came out of the lion's den. You came out of this place. You were purified. You were willing to pay the price for prayer. You were paying any price to serve your God came out of this lion's den and, and now while you were praying and while you were speaking at the time of the evening oblation. So this is before, this is Daniel 9 and Daniel 10 is when the battle goes on in the second heaven with Michael the archangel and the prince of Persia. But before that goes on, in the ninth chapter, Daniel is doing something that's very profound. You read in Daniel 6 that when he prayed, he faced Jerusalem. Why did he face Jerusalem? Because there was no more temple in Jerusalem. And the sacrifices that should have been going up morning, noon, and night were not going up. So God was reckoning his prayer as the morning, evening, and afternoon sacrifice going up before God. He was facing Jerusalem. And he was praying at the time. Every time his timing was, this should be happening in Jerusalem, but the Babylonians destroyed our temple. So at the time that God should be receiving prayer and nobody's praying and nobody's worshiping, I'm going to turn my face toward heaven and I'm going to worship and stand in the gap. The time of the evening oblation. This means that though the temple was destroyed and the offerings were stopped, Daniel continued in a consecrated prayer as an act of substitutionary sacrifice. God saw his prayer as a substitutionary sacrifice. Look at Psalm 141 verse 2. The Bible says, let my prayer be to thee as incense and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So Daniel, before you go into this major battle in the 10th chapter, through 21 days, not eating any pleasant thing, things accomplished. Every day you've been so faithful to look at Jerusalem. And right before the timing of God is fulfilled right before the time is that the days be fulfilled that Jeremiah the prophet prophesied right before it. The devil's going to try to kill you because he knows it's your prayer that's going to release him out. He knows that it's your prayer that's going to move this thing into motion. He knows that you are the number one intercessor for the exiles. So he's going to put an assignment on your life 
to stop you from prayer. It's not about dying. It's about stopping you. It's about intimidating you. It's about, it's about messing you up. It's about distracting you. It's about distracting your vision from what God's called you to do. It's not about all the torment and all the stuff you're going through for prayer. It's not about that. It's to move you out of your position so that you become distracted and detracted from prayer. Because Daniel, you're the one God chose. Because every day, the Bible said in Daniel 6, we just read it, verse 10, he knelt down as he did aforetime. Every single day he knelt down and faced toward Jerusalem during the time of the morning, evening, and afternoon sacrifice. He was interceding for the temple that was not built. He was interceding for the sacrifices that were not going on. He was interceding for the temple that lay in desolation. He was interceding and offering himself in prayer to God, receive worship, receive sacrifice, even though that altar is dead, even though there's nothing there, even though the heathen have taken over, I am offering you myself as a living sacrifice, oh God. And the devil heard it. The devil knew it. The devil became traumatized. The devil became terrorized. And the devil said, we got to do something with Daniel because if he keeps praying like this, the people of God are going to be released out of captivity. He is the number one enemy to the enemy to the kingdom of darkness. Shake him up a little. Put him into the lion's den. Today, I want to say to you, will you dare to be a Daniel? As we close today, I want you to see these texts. Look at them very quickly as we close. I'm not going to teach anymore. I'm just going to read them. I want to make sure you have them in your spirit. Go back to Daniel 6. I want you to see it with the utmost reverence and respect. Verse 10, Daniel 6. Put your name by it. Put your name by it, saint, saint of God, child of God. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows and his chambers being opened toward Jerusalem. And he kneeled down and he prayed on his knees three times a day and prayed. And he made and he gave thanks before the Lord as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled themselves and found Daniel praying and making supplication to his God and they came near and they spake and they said to the king concerning the king's decree, have you not signed a decree that every man who shall ask any petition of any god or man within 30 days save thee, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions? Verse 22 says, or verse 20 says, and when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, and the king spake unto him and said, Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you serve continually able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel answered and said, O king, live forever, for my God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths, and they have not hurt me, for as much as innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king. And we watch this, verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. We already read to you from Daniel 9. We will not read it again, but I want you to see Daniel 10, verse 2. And in those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, verse 3, and I ate no pleasant bread, neither did any flesh or wine come in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three full weeks were fulfilled. Continuing on, verse 12, an angel came to him and said, verse 11 says, Unto me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. Verse 12, then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before God, your words were heard. And now am I come for your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 
One in 20 days. How many days was he on a fast? So his fast what? Answered this prayer. This, this prince was released after his fast. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remain there with the kings of Persia. In case you're wondering who Michael is, you can see it, verse 21. But I will show thee that which is noted in Scripture of truth, that there was none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. And is Michael your prince a literal prince, or is he an angel? Look at Daniel 12, 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. Come on, people. You got to give God the praise. You got to give God the glory. Come on, somebody. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet today, beloved saints. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to give your life for prayer. They continued in supplications and in prayers. And they prayed. And God provided the substitute to take Judas's place. See? Did we really pray for those who have gone astray to be replaced? Are we really like the early church? Do we really understand what we're supposed to pray for? The Bible tells us very clearly how to pray. It's a map. So they prayed continually so that the one that defected was replaced. Continuing in the context Scripture tells us that early in the morning, the hour of prayer, Peter and John were found at the temple praying. And they were so filled with the presence of God after prayer that they carried the presence of the man at the gate beautiful who was begging alms, just looked upon them. That's all they had to do was look on him. He didn't touch him, didn't lay hands on him, he just said, look on us. Because we've been with somebody. We've been in prayer. And his presence is radiating from us. It's not our power, as though we have power to heal you. We've been with somebody today in this third hour. Look upon us because there's power coming out of us because we were with him. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that when they prayed, the place was shaken. The Bible tells us that when Peter was in the prison, prayer from the church of God was made continually on his behalf. When Peter knocked on the door, many of them were assembled praying. The Bible tells us that the Lord told Ananias to seek out Saul of Tarsus, for he is one that prayeth. And about the sixth hour, Acts chapter 9, verse 6, tells us that Peter went up to the housetop to pray. A praying church. Acts 13 says that when they prayed and fasted, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. It was a lifestyle of prayer. It was a, a, a continual prayer. And the criteria for the call of the apostles was we will give ourselves continually to prayer. We cannot be consumed with this foolishness around widows' tables. Not our calling. Calling is not to do this foolish stuff. Our calling is to be with Jesus so we can give the saints their food, so we can give the saints their meal, so we can give the saints what they need to live, so that they can have Jesus in their midst. And we can't give them Jesus if we're not with Jesus. We can't give them Jesus if we don't spend time with Jesus. We're going to give them ourselves if we don't spend time with the master. Put your hands up now. Hallelujah. I feel such an anointing in this house. 
for prayer. There is a mantle today. Lord, oh God, we release the anointing over your people today for prayer. Oh God, we release the anointing. Hallelujah. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for joining us today. It is our prayer that this word broke bondages and will open doors for you. If you have never received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, invite him now to be your Lord and Savior and best friend. Repeat this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Wash me clean from all my sins. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon.